Hello, and welcome to the Hearth and Hedge podcast, Merry Meet. My name is Amberly, And I'm Margot, and we are very happy to have you. Uh, I want to introduce a special guest we have with us today. He is the author of several books, including The Sorcerer's Secrets, Strategies and Practical Magic, Protection and Reversal Magic, A Witch's Defense Manual, and his latest re release, Consorting with Spirits, Your Guide to Working with Invisible Allies. He also teaches a number of intensive courses online at strategicsorcery.net, including one I myself am in the process of taking, The Sorcery of Hecate. Please welcome the consummate Jason Miller to our podcast. Woo, that is the first time I have been referred to as the consummate. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Great. So Jason, um, would you be so kind as to describe yourself and uh, your practice to anyone listening who might be unfamiliar with your work? Oh, goodness. You know, I just have a, a lifelong interest in magic since I was a child in, in the sort of the idea that there's m more than we can ordinarily perceive. And then when I was old enough to realize that there are tarot cards and books and, you know, people have been doing this for all of human history, I just delved in and was met with practitioners from many different traditions. So I call myself a sorcerer because I don't really have any particular home anywhere, uh, nor do I try to like mix everything up in one kind of jumble either. But I, you know, I make offerings, I, I talk with spirits, I do energy work, I do spells, etc, etc, etc. I've been around. Amazing. Excellent. I also consider myself an eclectic, but not, I wouldn't consider myself all over the place. And you know, radically mixing all kinds of different workings. Um, but eclecticism, I believe, is um, how most people probably would label themselves if they had to. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, in this day and age, there's there with access to so much, it, it really is the gift of the age. And when you look back at sort of high points of magic and occultism, like the second century and, and the Greek magical papyri, you know, those those folks were eclectic as well. They didn't right. have the internet, so their eclecticism was limited to the Mediterranean region. But, you know, even more than eclecticism, it's, it's a sort of idea of getting through to reality as a symbol set. So what is underneath all these traditions? What is underneath all these things? And how can I look at that reality so mm -hmm. you know of course i've trained in different traditions and things like this and and uh i guess now people will hopefully a generation or two say you know he started a tradition although nowadays people call things that are like you know a week old like a tradition well i practice <laughs> this tradition and i'm like who else practices it? just me and i'm like i think you need to look up the word tradition yes <laughs> yes <laughs> well said um, sir so, you know, it's it's a strange situation. I, I chose Sorcerer as my moniker just because nobody really owned it. <laughs> I like that. Fair. So we like to start our episodes with a couple questions that are uh, that we ask each other and our guests. I'm uh, ready. And, and the first one is, 
What are you drinking, Jason? Okay. I I am drinking. I am not getting paid to shill for this company, but I have to absolutely just say that they're fantastic. I'm a coffee guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the moment, I'm drinking an iced coffee from uh, that I made with Cometeer coffee. So Cometeer is there. All right, everybody knows K cups. Mm-hmm. These are steel K cups, and you don't really put them in your machine. I guess you could, but what happens is a bunch of guys from MIT figured out they could get these great grinds and that, or great roasts, grind them into like a micro grind, one that will dissolve in water or milk and then freeze it and then just sell it to you frozen. And so I used to be, I used to spend all this time making coffee cause I was an AeroPress devotee i was just like every morning with the grinding and everything and now this has totally replaced it it's just like i take the pot i run it underwater for like 10 seconds dump it in a glass with some boiled water and i have like great coffee that's nice really cool i like that a lot so today i just took the pot and took it out of the freezer like yesterday put it in the refrigerator so it was liquefied threw it in some ice and iced coffee wonderful that sounds great. I love coffee. How about you guys? What are you drinking? Well, I'm drunk. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's 1 p.m. here on the East Coast. <laughs> I'm also drinking coffee. Uh, I feel like I didn't get my full morning. It would be really great if I could stop stepping into time warps, but I don't know where the day went, so I'm still working on my morning coffee. Um, and I will, I'm one of those people that will keep reheating my coffee until I'm finished it. So it's been reheated at least two or three times already, but I am just having regular old coffee. <laughs> How about you? I actually, uh, am also having a little bit of coffee, but it is mixed with reishi mushroom, uh, dark roast reishi mushroom and a spicy chino and it is delicious. Uh, you can almost not tell the difference between it and regular coffee. Almost. Nice. I mean, there's a little bit of a difference, but I can't have too much caffeine because it messes with my body. And so this has been my my new thing. I was going to drink a tea, but then I decided I didn't want to get up and make tea. <laughs> so this was already made. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a good thing. So our next question is, what are you currently reading? I am uh, reading three things. And I'm almost always reading three different things. Same. So Yeah. And two of them I'm just finishing. So uh, I just finished The Last Graduate, which is the second book in the Scolomance series. Oh, interesting. Novels. Um. If you haven't checked it out, it's like the anti-Harry Potter. It's like uh, Hogwarts is trying to kill you. Um, instead of, you know, Harry Potter having all this wealth and, you know, kind of, you know, poor person's dream come true. Right. It's just the opposite. All the magic costs something and they it's all about bartering and figuring out where you're going to get the mana from. And the school is trying to kill you and to, you know, it's 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 great it's 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 a yaw novel so i was reading it along with my daughter oh, and that's cool. uh, but yeah it's super great and the third one is coming out 
in the fall. Um, on the occult tip, I am doing a a second pass, a reread of Spellbound by Chow Yun Ku. Okay. Um, it's magnificent. It's it's a it's a great piece of art, and uh, you know she it's it's a wonderful. It's a it would be one of my top books for for new people as well as anyone interested in the interface of like witchcraft with futurism like what do ai chatbots and crypto and nfts have to do with witchcraft oh wow that's really interesting yeah 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 so she spent quite a lot of time investigating that world and uh has a lot to say about it. so that's an interesting viewpoint yeah these you know she and I differ on whether it's good or not, but we don't differ on the fact that it's happening. <laughs> so it's sort of like, well, this is happening and we're going to have to deal with it. But, right. you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing is is sort of, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that most everything in the last, like since 2007 at least, it's just been like bad. something that we should de-invent <laughs> if such a thing could happen. But mm -hmm. it doesn't, so we got to deal. Yeah. And uh, then I, on the nonfiction tip, I just started Thank You for Being Late by uh, Thomas Friedman uh, with a book group in town. So it's all about looking at accelerationism in the market, in governance and in, in, in the uh, technology and sort of saying, hey, hold on, let's let's see if this is good or not. So in that sense, it ties right in. Nice. So the three things I'm reading. That's Very awesome. well-rounded. Yeah, Margo and I are, are multi-book readers for sure. Uh, I like to group my books <laughs> in like subjects, but then I have like seven books in that subject. Uh, <laughs> so I completely understand reading three books at once. What are you Margo, reading right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I'll go first then. <laughs> uh, right now I'm actually reading uh, Blackthorn's Protection Magic. Um, okay. I just got it in. I uh, I ordered it for review and I just got it in uh, actually a couple weeks ago, but I had a couple more that I had to read first. So I'm just cracking that open and it's it's really, it's a really great book. Yes, it is. Amy nice. Blackthorn is a very talented writer. And so I'm, I'm really, I'm excited to, to finish this one out. Nice. Very nice. How about you, Margo? I am reading <laughs> Consorting with Spirits by Jason Miller. I'm actually almost done. I love it. As you can see, I'm sorry that the listeners can't see, but it is completely filled with post-it notes because there's so much in here that I want to remember and come back to and reread and try out and possibly write down for myself. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I think that it actually would appeal to a very large audience. It, it's uh, it's very um, eye-opening as far as many more different ways that you can approach the spirit realm versus a lot of the older grimoires that are referenced in the book that say, um, you know, you have to come at it with a whole lot of authority and a whole lot of force. And I really love your approach at more friendly types of conjurations. Um, it's totally my jam <laughs> as far as how to approach these, these spirits. 
But on the other side, you got to have the ability yes. to do the heavy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to back yourself up. You have to be able to back yourself up. I always say, like, you know, if you have a party at your house, you're conjuring by invitation. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the first podcast I did in relation to the book was actually with somebody I used to hang out with in Philly. So we were at a lot of the same parties. I'm like, you remember that party? with that guy and like we conjured by invitation so people showed up and then the one guy got out of hand and he had to be constrained <laughs> like you know and so conjured through constraint and he, he conjured him down three flights of stairs with a bunch of bruises but uh, <laughs> it has to be done so it's it's I'm all about popping these false dichotomies that people settle into. Like this is, it's this or that. And it's like, it's almost never this or that. Right. Like in real life, why? And since magic is real, why do we think it's this or that? Right. Nothing is ever so black and white. Yeah. There's a lot of gray in the world. <laughs> but yes, as a default, friendliness uh, tends to get you further. I agree. I agree with that. Um, that actually brings me to a question. Um, you have a lot of really amazing courses available um, through your website, um, strategicsorcery.net. Do you think you might ever offer a course based on the materials in this book? No, I try. So I, I usually I wouldn't offer a course based upon a book I did. Okay. Um, just because unless I felt I had a whole lot to add, mm -hmm. in which case then people might say, well, why didn't you put it in the book? There is a course, the black school course that I run that impacts, you know, a little bit of this. So it takes the conjuration and the evocation aspects of it and takes it a little further, a little deeper, a little into uh, the sort of, Christio diabolism that I hinted at in the book. Right. Presenting like, oh, look, you know, here's how you would conjure this spirit if you were using a Christian evocation like the Grimoires. And here's how you would do it if you were a Satanist. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. here's how it changes because now you're not saying, hey, God, I want you to tackle this enemy for me. You're saying, Hey, demon, I want your boss to get your attention, you know? So right. it's a different dynamic. Um, so we touch on that in the black school. But okay. yeah, I try, you know, everything interrelates a little bit. But I, I, I try never to be like, you know, here's a book. How can I maximize the profits on right. it by taking this and ripping it up and charging people more to basically go through the same thing. So, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. I've got so many ideas. So, <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll take a turn. <laughs> uh, so I come from a, back, a background of mostly folk magic, what some would call low magic. How would you suggest a low magic practitioner like me uh, would approach this book when they might be intimidated by the more high magic aspect of it right so you know the first thing is in folk magic you're dealing with spirits all the time right 
you're you're dealing with gods and spirits all the time. You're utilizing you let's say you're doing a spell sympathetic magic, right? So you've got stuff in front of you and you're you're separating it, burning it, sinking it, bathing it, putting it together, taking it apart, all the stuff that we do to symbolize what we're doing. And then usually there's a prayer or a psalm or, um, you know, an invocation to say, hey, Hecate, hey, Odin, hey, whoever, witness this that I'm doing and make it happen, right? Like, mm -hmm. help this help this along. Right. And so, of course, we're part of it. Our minds are part of it. The energy that we have and bring to it is part of it. But so are the spirits, mm -hmm. uh, the spirits that we call, and then the spirits in our local area that sometimes act simply because we have a good relationship with them if we make offerings and things. Or sometimes they're, liter they're the foot soldiers of these big powers that we've invoked. And so the book has, it's, it's so funny because a couple people have really been like, you know, hey, this is a book about evocation. There's really only two chapters on evocation. Mm -hmm. uh, the rest is what's a spirit? How are they oriented? Right? And right, that's right. something to think about with folk magic for sure. Are you dealing with a spirit that you should go somewhere to contact because they're more present at that place mm -hmm. or dealing with a big vast spirit that you need to kind of pull down into the material with your work because yeah they're everywhere but they're also so vast that they're not exactly you know you can't point to them in a room right um right. and then there's the the chapter on local spirits of course and mm -hmm. and in the end on familiar spirits and a, and a little ritual for and a sigil for Hikate to gather uh, local spirits. So I think all of that, the chapter where we talk about prayers and spells, how like, look, here's a prayer, add mm -hmm. on a little piece of sympathetic magic, and now you've got a spell. Now add mm -hmm. on a little something else, and now you've got this, and now you've got a ritual. And then, you know, so it can blow it up or shrink it down as needed. And yeah, it's, it's all there. So basically, to clarify, is, is you have all the building blocks there, have them look at it in pieces before they look at it as a whole, and that'll be easier to relate to. Yeah. But, you know, if you're a folk magic practitioner and you you get the book and you say, you know, it's cool, those that chapter on conjuration by, you know, with circle on the floor and all that, but I'm never going to do that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Well, now you know about something, but you've got, I don't know how many chapters there are in the book total, but, you know, all the rest of it still applies. Right, right, um, right. And that's that's the key, really, because honestly, the reverse is true. There are ceremonialists out there who completely ignore the idea of resonance with the spirit, of, of performing simple folk magic that would actually vastly increase their chances of getting something from that spirit that they've spent three arduous hours invoking indivisible appearance to accomplish something that, you know, a folk magician might be able to do in a few minutes or, you know, a normal person might be able to do with just a little effort. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, uh, so yeah, 
you know, it, it's it. I what I hope the book would kind of do is link these worlds together and say this kind of false dichotomy of like low magic and high magic and ceremonial magic and folk mm -hmm. magic. It's not real. It's not a, it's not a, it's a fake dichotomy. Yeah. Um, it's all magic and, and it's a spectrum. I love that. Yeah. It's that's a great way to, you know, I feel like a lot of people, maybe more so in the past than now would like would refer to white magic and black magic and that's also just Ooh. that's not a thing magic yeah. is just magic and what you what you try to get from it or what you try to accomplish with it you know is that's on you that's whatever you're deciding to, wherever you're deciding to take it but there is no you know little compartmentalized areas of magic like that Okay, so I actually have a follow-up question, which kind of is a little bit negated, but I still want to ask it because I know somebody else is going to be wondering. For those who uh, of us who practice more of a folk magic aspect and want to get more into the ceremonial side of things, what resource would you suggest they start with? Mm. Wow, that's a good question. You know... It really depends on what angle they wanted to approach ceremonialism from. So the first thing I would do is say, close your eyes and envision what being a ceremonialist means, mm -hmm. right? Are you, are you embracing Christianity, at least esoteric Christianity, where you're you're calling upon God and the angels and, and the saints. So much of folk magic relates to, to the saints. I like to call it the saint angel loop, right? <laughs> saints pray for us and then angels do this. Like, but anyway, um, you know, so are you looking to expand that out into ceremony? In which case, you've got another choice to make. You've, you've got to kind of take a look at... Uh, the grimoires, right, and the, the whole grimoire revival versus the sort of late 1800s, early 1900s, golden dawn, hermetic Kabbalah thing. Now, in truth, this is, again, a kind of a false dichotomy, but the books that will be good for one are not necessarily the books that would be good for another. Right. You know, Jake Stratton Kent, um, some, some of the books at Haiti and Press, those would be fantastic books for the grimoirist, the ceremonialist in that sense. Things like Modern Magic by Don Michael Craig, I think still hold up as an intro to sort of the Golden Dawn Hermetic Kabbalah thing. Um, and then if you're into the Crowley aspect, it would be a different book. You know, mm -hmm. so there's all kinds of different ways that you can look at that. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're pagan. Right. And so there's I mean, I, I hate to say like the Hecate course or something that I do, but, That's you know, good. there's so much out there <laughs> now in terms of courses. But looking at the, the Greek magical papyri and, you know, how those things can be done. So. It's a big wide world out there and there are different ways that you can approach it from. So yeah, the first thing is like, 
kind of close your eyes and just figure out like what like in a year or two what would this look like based upon how do i imagine this would look mm -hmm. and then that would kind of steer you in the right direction to to jump in and the internet is a blessing and a curse um, on the one hand, you have better information than we ever had pre-internet, you know, and you have people and courses and communities. On the negative side, you have people and courses and communities. Uh, <laughs> everything that you do, there will be a horde of people there to tell you you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And that you are, you know, evil and appropriative mm. and... You know, and that's not to say that you can't be, but whether you are or you're not, people will tell you you are. And there will be criticism for even the smallest things. So it's it's a double edged sword. Mm -hmm. I, I don't envy the 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 young people today. We had a hard time finding any information at all when I was growing up. But now the task is separating signal from noise. And I think that's actually trickier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've actually discussed that on several of our past episodes, yeah. um, the, the witch talk and and just where people find ridiculous ideas, but that are taught as, you know, dogma or, you know, and it's, yeah, it's crazy. Neither of my children are allowed to have social media <laughs> and they get mad at me sometimes, but I'm like, listen, there's a reason they're teenagers now. So uh, my daughter is 15 and my son is 13. Wow. You are fighting a good fight. <laughs> oh, it's a hard fight. Yeah. It's a hard fight. Yeah. I finally did give in and they both are allowed to have an Instagram account. That's not, oh, there's, there's one of them. Um, that's not in their name. Uh, no faces. They're not allowed to post. They're not allowed to strictly to see what's happening. That was my big, it was a big give in right there for me. You're that's, smart. It's a good first step. They can just dip their toes in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw all these horrible things about uh, teenagers bullying other teenagers and them killing themselves over something that somebody said on the internet. And I was just like, well, that's not happening in my house. <laughs> you know, and, and those are the extreme examples, but even just, I mean, I, I talk to professors and high school teachers and they're like, the kids today, it's almost like they don't really relate to their friends in the same way anymore. It's all about mm -hmm. followers and these people that right. they'll never meet. And, you know, the attract, the good thing is if you are, you know, one of 12 people into the wor in the world that are into something, you can find those 12 people. But right. The unfortunate thing is you, you will double, you will all echo each other and then double down and double down and double down until you're all bat crazy and, you know, can't deal with anyone that's not into it. So right. it's, it's, yeah, it's one of the, it's, it's a scary thing. Yeah. My kids are approaching the teen years and it's, it's frightening. And yeah. because I'm an author of small note, like, you know, I've already had to been like, look, when you do get on socials, there is a firewall. Like, I am not your dad. You are not to friend anyone who we're mutual. I'm mutual friends of. Like, yeah. you cannot. Um, we have to distance ourselves utterly and completely. Yeah, that's smart. It didn't even occur to me. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, my daughter is um, also a witch, and she, I, well, that's a lot of the reason why I don't want them to be on because I don't want, even though my personal accounts are separated from the Hearth and Hedge, it doesn't really matter because somebody takes, you know, an extra 10 minutes, they'll find me. Yep. So I try and keep them separate as much as possible. Because uh, I know, well, I mean, I grew up in the 90s in rural New Mexico as a witch. And so I know how shitty people can be. <laughs> sure, they can. And some of them are great. Um, yes. So funny story about kids. I was, my kids were little still, but they had, for the first time ever, they saw one of my books in a Barnes & Noble, in a bookstore. So while they knew I wrote books, like the connection of like, oh, this isn't something dad just does as like people out there in the world. Um, and so they're like, that's famous. That's, and I'm like, I'm not famous by any real measure. And, you know, you can't explain to like seven or eight year olds what like field famous is. Like, yeah, <laughs> I walk into an occult convention, I'm famous. When I go to the Applebee's next door, I am not famous. You know, so, so I'm like, listen, kids, how often do people walk up to us in the street to get my autograph or say hi? Well, it doesn't happen. I'm like, well, that happens to famous people. Seriously, three hours later, we're outside <laughs> Toys R Us, and I hear, are you Jason Miller? And I'm like, oh, God, no, please no. <laughs> Terrible and timing. Like, oh, my God, I'm in one of your courses, and shakes have very nice, you know, nothing, nothing at all wrong. Very nice. Um, and, and totally like, is it okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're um, like, couldn't you do that tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> um, if I could go back to what you were saying previously about the different approaches to magic through the perspectives of, you know, Christianity or Luciferianism or paganism, um, do you mind if I uh, ask you a question in reference to Astaroth? Sure. Okay. I'm an open book. Um, okay. So you talk about Astaroth in your book and how she is the demonized version of the goddess Astarte. Uh, and also how you don't really buy into the very, um, you know, compartmentalized good versus evil characterizations of these subtle spirits. Uh, would you say that many of the so-called demons from, say, the Ars Goetia are possibly pagan deities and maybe their um, sometimes more aggressive nature could be attributed to this false and possibly offensive demonic characterization of them? So, you know, it's it's funny. In the end, I don't come down on ever making a determination on what a spirit is or is not. Okay. Um, it's my head, heart, hand thing, which you probably are familiar with, right? Like the hand knows what's useful. The heart knows what's meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, and then the head wants to know how things exactly are. Like is Astaroth a demon or is Astaroth really a starting? Okay. And I'm always like magic is terrible at head questions, like just awful at them. Let's just move it aside. And let's say that, you know, um, who you are at, you know, a day job um, might be very different than who you are to your kids and who you are on your podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what your day job is, but maybe you're, maybe you're a cop, you know, maybe you're out there 
kicking in doors, shoving people against the wall with the badge and, you know, the whole nine yards. And then you come home and now you're a, a podcaster. And we just talked about how different you have to be with, with kids, right? Right. So who is Astarte? Who is Astaroth? How much is there? Well, you know, Astaroth is rooted in Astarte. We can see the history, right, and make the link. But that doesn't mean that Astaroth is just that goddess that Christians have been so horrible that they've dragged her wonderful name through the mud. Mm -hmm. Well, no, not necessarily. Perhaps there's an element of Astarte that, you know, that is rather well fits the demonic, the individualistic kind of the anti-Christian, if you will. Right. Um, there's nothing really wrong with that. And then perhaps that over time, spirits grow in relation to how we deal with them, just like people do, right? People do this all the time. Um, if you meet some, like, are you got, are you ladies like married or with significant others for long yes. time? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I know I'm also married that if we like settled down with somebody else, we'd be very different people today. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So how we get related to is just as important in who we are as what our essential nature is. Right. So, sure, does Astaroth react a certain way when conjured as a demon by a Christian? Maybe, but I've conjured Astaroth that way as a, you know, using the names of Christ. And she came through as a she and she came through as, you know, perfectly amenable, like surprisingly. Right. Uh, even gone and, and then later, you know, after those first experiments, conjured her using like the proper methods of the Arsuasia <laughs> where you're binding. And she's like, oh, we're doing bondage now? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay, you know, whatever. Um, uh, so, you know, perfectly fine. But then that same kind of method might piss off another kind of spirit. Right. So, when we when we think about how people are right and how variable and subtle people are depending upon who they're around how they're approached it's so amazingly subtle and then there are these beings that are by definition more subtle because they're not organized into a body mm -hmm. but yet we kind of want to nail them down in, in, in ways that we never really think to nail down people, mm -hmm. right? Right. We want to nail them down. What is she? Is she this? Is she that? And if she's that, is it because of the bad Christians or was she really evil? Or it's all just way too complicated. <laughs> that actually makes, as it is complicated, but it makes perfect sense to me. I'm a different person when I drink wine with my girlfriends than I am when I go visit my grandma, my husband's grandmother. <laughs> right. And so, and then this is where the meaning, like, so then people say, well, if you're saying it's too complicated and we can never know, then what's the point of magic? Ah, the point of magic is the meaning and the usefulness. Mm -hmm. Right. Not the mapping of the universe to show a model. Right. Right. I think science is getting pretty good at that. 
Yeah. Uh, so I actually recently saw a post on Instagram uh, by a, a Norse pagan, and they were talking about the spirit of Marilyn Monroe and how too many people were invoking her and asking for her help, and she should be allowed to rest in peace. The post then went on to say that if you aren't of direct lineage of someone, you shouldn't be calling on them for help at all. And this is in respect to ancestors specifically. Um, in your opinion, are there spirits, ancestral spirits that are off limits or are we, let's just leave it at that. Are there spirits that are off limits? My go-to, my thing is when we're talking about spirits, let's run it through the filter of how we deal with people, right? Mm -hmm. How do we deal with people? Are there spirits that are off limits? There are spirits that are of a guardian spirits of an initiatic tradition that should only that have protocols to only be called under certain conditions mm -hmm. right now you can take a stab at at calling upon them just like you know i can go sit outside i don't know tim ferris's house and hope that i see him <laughs> one but it's probably going to piss him off and, and, you know, not, not go very well. So is he off limits? Yeah, probably is. Does that mean that I can't do something? No. Does it mean it's an ethical problem if I try to? Maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe I can find a nice way to bridge that, uh, that he would appreciate, you know, find some other way to make contact in a way that isn't, through his usual channels, but also isn't disrespectful. Who knows? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I think if people were to, let's say there's a guardian, you know, a spirit connected to a secret society in Haiti, right? And it gets known in a book. And then a bunch of people out there are like, oh, well, you know, I contacted the spirit. I just do it all the time and you don't have to be part of this. And you're then out there talking about it and so on and so forth. Well, you know, A, you're probably not. That's probably not the same spirit. B, you're kind of just pooping on somebody else's tradition and yeah. that you're not a part of. And you're probably being shady. So it's a matter of, like, is it functional? Is it ethical? Who knows? When it comes to Marilyn Monroe, again these subtle things. Marilyn Monroe is no longer organized around a body. I hope not, because that would really suck to just be deteriorating in a coffin. Yeah. Or, or, you know, okay. maybe she'd be cremated. I don't actually know what happened to Marilyn Monroe. But, you know, if people are calling upon Marilyn Monroe, what are they getting, right? Mm -hmm. Are they get you know, the idea that upon death, that there's just one being, right? Like you are just this singular thing. And if you're over here, you can't be over there, is is just silly. That's how we are when we're organized around a body, mm -hmm. right? Right. Why would we think that we're organized the same way once we're dead, right? We've all drank coffee, but if we all drank tea, our brains would be having a really different, like we'd be having a different talk right now. So if our brains are that, like if our thoughts, if who we are is that changeable based upon whether we have tea or coffee 
and if we, you know, if, if we all dropped acid, oh, what a time we would all be having right now, right? So, like, if these little tiny things can, can affect us that deeply, well, you know, you got to think being dead would 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 certainly hit the, the old nervous system a bit. Yeah. So, you know, how is she organized? I tend to think that there's a part of us that goes on and reincarnates. I tend to think that there's a part of us that is an echo that is available. And that when people become famous or propitiated or prayed to, then that part that remains sort of grows and becomes its own thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really stop the reincarnative aspect of it. Right. Um, maybe it's because I have a lot of Buddhist training and, and there's no essential I in Buddhism. You know, you peel back the layers of the onion and it turns out there's no golden center. It's just an onion. Mm -hmm. Like you peel it and then it's gone. So if you want to invoke Marilyn Monroe, invoke Marilyn Monroe. People are getting, you know, trying to find these ethical ways to say other people are doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost like a like a I don't know, how you make your bones in the street now for some folks. Like Yeah. How do I finding get controversy? Some... Yeah. And and that's not to say that there are not real controversies and, mm -hmm. and real issues. There are. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I, I I'm not, you know, against everyone you know like oh the cancelers are out <laughs> sometimes they are but mm -hmm. sometimes you know it's just consequences yeah but, i do yeah. think it's unfortunate i think i maybe saw something similar or possibly the same post that you're referring to um that the basically she was described as a very sorrowful spirit and uh, a lot of people who were uh trying to invoke her were doing so based on this glamorized idea of like who they thought she was, which mm -hmm. isn't necessarily who she is. So they're not really even getting the results that they're hoping for. So on one side, I do see that, that feeling of like, just let the woman be. And on the other side, it's, it's like, well, people are doing it and you know, they're having their own experiences mm -hmm. and, you know, and that, you know, and that may very well be the case mm -hmm. that, that whatever the shade, you know, because again, we don't get to just pick what we get either. Right. Right. So when they're invoking this glamorous Marilyn, they probably get all the stuff that came with that. And hey, ain't there a lesson in that? You yeah. know, I want the glamour, the fame, the, the, the looks, the Instagram followers. There's a price to come with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I apologize for the snoring in the background, by the way. <laughs> She's keep trying to make it stop. Yeah, it's my dog under the desk, and he, <laughs> he just looks at me when I kick him. I don't actually kick him, but he looks at me and then starts snoring again. So, uh, I have a question. It's kind of a fun one. Uh, I recently did an interview with a friend on her podcast, and uh, she asked me this, so I'm borrowing it from her, but I just thought it was a fun question. Uh, is there anything that you are currently geeking out about in your practice? Mm. Anything I'm currently geeking out about, about my practice. Or it could be outside of your practice if that's easier for you. You know, so before the book came out, I was kind of geeking out about Baphomet. I was, oh. I was having this really, since the fall, I got this huge, it's like 
three feet tall. It's behind me, but you can't really see it. Baphomet statue. And, and uh, starting on St. Cyprian's Day, I've been doing a, a ritual. And I was going to get a, a one of my global rites going for, for well, purchase not and, and around Baphomet. And then the book came out, right? And so then it just becomes about, like, you know, so much of my work day, apart from teaching the classes I teach, is promoting this book that I wrote months and months ago mm -hmm. so it's killed all the things i'm geeking out about. <laughs> i don't have the time to geek out uh, about that's the worst <laughs> so you know in 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 that way i will get to geeking out about it soon enough mm -hmm. but yeah so at the moment i'm geeking out about the about my new book and i've Hold got on. I, I actually, this is the first time where I've, like, a book has come out and I'm already working on the next book. I usually take oh, a wow. while. But Wiser threw an idea at me and I kind of took it and threw an idea back. And now we're kind of, like, working on something. So that's exciting. I'm yeah. kind of geeking out about that, but I can't talk about it yet. Okay. Understood. So there's that aspect of it, too. Understood. Um, so I'm going to bring you back to your book, the current one. <laughs> in your book that you or in your book, you speak a lot about spirits of the land, demons, angels, etc. And this question I actually found on your Instagram feed uh, when you asked people to ask you about uh, your new book. So I stole it from there, reworded it a little bit, but I think the listeners would enjoy this this question. So. Uh, do you have suggestions for working with ancestral spirits? Because you mostly just talk about land and demons and angels. Do you think that interactions with ancestral spirits should be different than the ones described in your book or the same techniques could be used across the board? So a lot of the same techniques can be used across the board. And, but because of the nature of ancestral spirits, depending on how close they are as well, that really, you know, there can be, it's all, when, when people are too close, like you love them or you hate them, right? Like you want them close or you want them not close at all. There's very few people that, that can just go back to being an acquaintance. And so ancestors tend to be like that. So yeah, you can start off with the offerings, the spirit skills, the listening, then if you want to get close to your ancestors, you can make a little, you can start with a Boveda, for instance, if you're interested in spiritualism, um, you can set up a, a, some just simple, some water, a holy object, like a crucifix or whatever is holy to you and, and to them, more importantly pictures of your ancestors, if you want to get graveyard dirt uh, and pay for it from them, if you want to honor them on either uh, days that are sacred to uh, the dead, like, like Hallows, or on their birthday or something like that, and then move it into a regular thing. And some people have ancestor altars. Um, if you don't want to have a permanent altar or something, in India, they do a tarpanam rite where they hold some coins and seeds and things, and they run water through the hand to honor the ancestors, right? And then they let it go. It's beautiful. Uh, 
so that there's not this constant window or worship of the ancestors. There's just an acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are a lot of people that are kind of their can they don't want to honor their ancestors at all. Um, this is especially true um, in these days of of increased social consciousness, which I think is a good thing. Mm -hmm. People are embarrassed about history which is not inappropriate mm -hmm. um, you know but sometimes then that comes with the idea that like people should have always thought and acted the way that we think and act now right which right. is a lot to expect mm -hmm. and then you will also be disappointed by the time that you're 50 or 60 because what you thought was just like the height of moral uh integrity you know they'll be laughing at how backwards you were yeah i watched the, the movie real genius last night with the kids the 1985 film with val kilmer oh yeah and uh yeah you know the the one kid in it is like 15 and he goes to college and like there's a 30 year old who wants to hook up with him and my kids are horrified <laughs> And he eventually says, no, 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 that's that's wrong. I want to hook up with you. And he hooks up with a 19-year-old. And they're like, that's also wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and you're right. But back when we watched mm -hmm. it, no one really, right. you know, guys were just like, ah, he's a dude. Yeah. Like, you know, can't, can't, it's not sexually assaulted. He's a dude. She's a, you know, but now, of course, it's like, and rightly so. That's the thing. Right. Rightly so. It's, mm -hmm. it's not. I'm not saying that we thought better in the past. So, people get this idea like they don't want to honor their ancestors, and I respect that a lot. And frankly, there are ancestors of mine that I'm like, you know, let's let's. I don't want to necessarily be close and get advice. Mm -hmm. But what people forget about offerings is offerings aren't only there to say hey, I want you in my life more. Offerings can be, take this and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. Leave me alone. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, you, and, and people are like, well, I just want to pretend they don't exist. Well, you can't, mm -hmm. unfortunately. That's really where the problems come in because like it or not, this body that everything you think is run through that your spirit is organized around you've inherited from people who inherited it from people and people who inherited right. it from people, and you didn't get to choose it it's the reality and the culture that you were raised in and your relative privileges and oppressions that come with that you had no control over but you still benefit or suffer or both uh from them so acknowledging that and you know it can be saying here's an offering please teach me your wisdom or here's an offering please don't ever talk to me <laughs> Just right help me separate myself mm -hmm. from from the toxicity and trauma of the past those can be healthy too and they can they're both ways to approach ancestor offering so yeah nice thank you i like I, that i keep my ancestral altar it's in my kitchen because that's where i do most of my magic work so i just kind of walk by and give them a little little touch or a little hey. so, yeah <laughs> no i don't have an ancestor altar no. i design 
female. That's fair. I actually, I actually also don't have an ancestor altar, but I do make offerings on my working altar. Um, and I have an interesting immediate family history that makes my, and you know, some of my ancestry very mysterious. Um, so I basically, I don't want to say that I jumble it all together, but when I make that offering, it's, I'm, I'm saying, you know, ancestors, allies, guides, this is, you know, this is for all of you, <laughs> you know, thank you. And because it's, it's complicated, yeah. right? Like reality is complicated and magic is a real thing. For sure. Yes. I am out of questions, Margo. You have more? Well, I know we should move along. I'm in New Jersey. I've been in New Jersey um, almost all my life. So I really enjoyed the little bits about the Jersey Devil and the Pine Barrens uh, in the book. Um, just out of curiosity, have you ever uh, done anything in regards, uh, any sort of um, local magic workings at the beach, the Jersey, the Jersey Shore specifically? I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no notable cryptids or or, mm -hmm. or famous being at the beach. Once tried to call upon a pirate at a beach oh. that allegedly buried treasure um, up the Delaware somewhere, but it was, you know, it was a wash. Uh. Uh, nothing, nothing of note. Mm. Um, and when I say nothing of note, you know, if you have like magical talents, you'll probably always get something, right? Mm -hmm. Something will answer, something will, but you know, if you then say, okay, but what's useful here? Mm -hmm. What's actionable here? What's, what's meaningful? Like, what does this really mean? As opposed to, Ooh, I got something, you know, <laughs> it must be the being that I called upon, you know? So that's the, the operation was a failure in that sense. Like yeah. I didn't find any pirate gold. Um, or, or get any kind of like actionable wisdom or, or anything like that. So, but yeah, no, I've done, I've done plenty of work at the beach. I've done a lot of mystical work at the beach and all manner of things. So, you know, when it, when I grew up at the Jersey shore, I lived not far from the beach. And then for, before I moved here to Vermont, I lived for 20 years sort of in South Jersey. Mm-hmm very close to LBI. Like I could be okay. at the beach within five minutes. Oh, that's great. Standing, standing on the beach, uh, as the cure would say. Very cool. <laughs> so yeah, it was always part of the part of my world. Very cool. Okay. Should we move on to uh, a card pool and a spell? Yeah. So uh, another thing that we always do is we pull a card from one, from one of our various decks. All right. Today, I pulled a card from the Priestess of Light Oracle deck uh, by Sandra Ann Taylor and Kimberly Weber. I pulled it before so that we didn't have to watch me try and shuffle with my wrist all messed up. I just had surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the card we got was Circle of Eternal Joy, uh, Timelessness, and the Dance of Life. The Dove of Spirit brings a blissful feeling of anticipation to the priestess of the dance. The pair faces outward in front of the portal that leads to the energetic realm. This mystical vortex is a place of power where intentions and vibrations read from the long distance past to the infinite future. Uh, the Dove is the 
symbol of the eternal spirit, a divine consciousness that moves freely through time and space. Your soul is of the same spiritual nature and your energy spirals through time, engaged in the dance of repetition and rebirth. Each turn of the dance, each life and every day you bring opportunities for joy. And your present joy spins blissful intentions into the fabric of the future. So remember that your soul has come to experience both happiness and self-mastery. Learn what there is to learn, but never forget to let your spirit soar. There's a lot more, so I'm not going to read <laughs> the a lot more part, but I do want to uh, read the affirmation, which is, I live in a vortex of joyous energy. I listen to the beautiful music of my life and dance to my soul's sweet songs. I of, love that. Yeah. yeah. I love a good circle of eternal joy. <laughs> <laughs> welcome it bring it on yes <laughs> we'll all use more of that yeah, for absolutely sure. especially now <laughs> especially lately yeah yeah all right so um we have before the podcast started i asked jason if he would uh share a specific ritual with you um and i'm very very excited about it because when i read it i got goosebumps and i put a star by it in my book and said, I need to ask if he will do this one. So it is the pillar and spheres ritual. So Jason, will you share that with us? Okay. Yeah. So this is an exercise in this book, more than a ritual, I, I think. And so I just like hit a bunch of lovers on my chair. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, whoa. Uh, so it, it first appeared in the Sorcerer's Secrets and in that book there's uh there's words that go with it but in this book i said hey let's let's take the words out let's just keep the focus on what we're doing as an exercise because really you you can sort of use this with anything i first learned this arrangement from a, a man named lobsang senten he used to be the attendant to the dalai lama um, and then he played the attendant to the Dalai Lama in the Martin Scorsese film, Kundu. Oh. So, but this was related to Padmasambhava in, in uh, where in Tibetan Buddhism, you would see uh, Padmasambhava above your head, and then he would kind of empower these uh, chakras on the body, these spheres on the body with different elements. And... The thing is, it doesn't need to be Padmasambhava. It doesn't need to be, you know, any particular being. The elements are beyond any one tradition. They're they're a root. They're meta magic. They lie underneath it all, right? right? Um, and so when we arrange them on the body, some people have, you know, they they've read through my books or they see this exercise and they say, well, I do the middle pillar ritual. I don't need to do that. Or I do some other ritual with, with spinny wheels on the body. And I don't, so therefore I, they're all the same. So I don't need to do that, but they're not at all the same. They're okay. not at all the same things. The devil is always in the details mm -hmm. and the good stuff too. <laughs> so what you should do for this is just very simply, you can sit with your back straight or stand with your back straight. Shouldn't be laying down for it, but if you're sitting, a good exercise is to reach up and then move your arms down without moving your back. Okay. 
and then your back is straight. Tilt your head slightly forward, and you'll get that last, you'll actually feel that last little bit of spine straighten out. Mm -hmm. And then if you really want to get like yogic about it, you can tuck your took us in just a little bit and you'll feel that last bit on the bottom straighten out. And this straightening actually does kind of help this connection. And so just take a deep breath in and from above you, from the infinite space above you, feel a, a pure white ennobling light come down into the crown of your head, right? That space where the three pieces of your skull meet. And it just comes down and it's straight down through the throat, through the heart, down through the body, down into the earth, anchoring you down into the, to the center of, of the earth. This is an ennobling force. This is a, a wisdom force. This is a rational force, right? This is uh that kind of thing and then you take another deep breath and from within that column rises a red energy a reddish energy this comes up right through your perineum your taint as you will <laughs> taint the front taint the back <laughs> and you you breathe it in and it it's vital it's passionate it's very individualistic Try. Breathe these two in just a couple times and feel how they mix and they flow throughout the body. That's the pillar. Now for the spheres, breathe in and see a nice big sphere coming above the crown of your head, just right here, right? Fill it with a deep, blue color. I forget what color I used in the book. <laughs> it's terrible. It's <laughs> with deep blue, space, spirit. Okay. The color doesn't really matter. Whatever represents spirit to you mm -hmm. in the tradition that you work with. You don't have to bend over backwards to learn a new tradition. So if it's white, let it be white. Spirit, space, it's got qualities of both. It's the azo. Mm-hmm. It's clarity, it's wisdom, breathe it in. And then when it's there, you can sound in the Source of Secrets, I say sound e Could be something else or it could be nothing. Move it down, you can do it utterly silently. You do it at work, do it on the bus. Flow down and now in the throat, feel it filling up with the warm, wet quality of air air is warm and wet it's 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 frantic sometimes it it blows right it can be wild it also brings qualities of analysis and and uh mental acuity feel that filling up the throat balancing the throat and then when you're done, flow downward into the heart. Feel the heart fill with water. Not liquid, but the, it's the element water, the pure element. Cold, it's cold, it's wet, it's got wisdom, it's got fluidity. These are the qualities of it. Feel that rest in the heart. 
not not your physical heart the center just at the bottom of your breastplate okay now breathe down again and just below the navel about four finger widths below the navel but again inside the body right just mm-hmm. just in front of the spine feel another sphere and it fills with fire it's hot it's dry it's expansive it consumes and it expands right feel that it's it's fire of pure will feel that fire stoke up now sink your consciousness down one more level find yourself down in that bottom again down in the perineum down in the taint it's a sphere of earth solid dense immovable dry cold solid firm feel that now take a moment and feel for how these all interact you see it's like a witch's cauldron really the earth provides what is consumed by the fire the fire heats the water the water releases the rising vapor which then melts the seed of spirit and wisdom to flow downward over the body this arrangement of the elements creates an alchemical reaction and if people were interested in then pursuing tomo or inner fire yoga or something like that they would find a much easier time to then incorporate vase breathing or kumbhaka breaths and locks which then take that fire and kind of like compress air into it so that it really like stokes up and actually raises the body temperature of the uh, of your physical body as well but even this just these five spheres these five elements arranged this way people sometimes are like well you know i learned to arrange the elements differently so it's the same right mm-hmm. no because if you arrange them differently then they don't have this reaction right they have a different reaction that's right. not bad it's just not the same so that's the basics of the exercise you can take this and do it simply like we just did or you can add on descendat columba ascendat serpens descent of the dove rising of the serpent uh and, and vibrate to empower these you know so you can take an exercise and make it a ritual and then if you really wanted to you could make it into a whole ceremony mm-hmm. where you invoke the powers of each element to rest in the body and things like this this is this goes right back to the beginning of our talk like what's yeah. the relationship between folk magic and ceremonial magic and and what's the relationship between simple exercises and complex ceremonies yeah there you go absolutely full i love circle. that full circle full <laughs> circle i think what i really loved about that the most what really called to me and why I asked you to talk um, about it was the alchemical reaction that how all the elements worked together and then melted the spirit down the body. Like, I think that's what, well, I don't think I know that's why I really loved it. And I hope that the listeners love it too. Yeah. It's a powerful tool. It is. I love it so much. 
thank you for uh, taking us through that. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, thank you again for having yeah, us. This has been amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wonderful. Oh, it's my pleasure. I think it's my favorite interview yet. Thank you for having me. Oh, wow. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. And this is this is the point where it's always awkward. So. We don't know how to we don't know how to how to sound off. It's like that person on the phone is like, okay, well, and there's a million okay wells, and you just want to hang up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's every single time. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Jason. And we hope to have you back on the show at some point in the future with your new book. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. Awesome. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you. Bye. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on our website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email us at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash the hearth and hedge.